Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the American Tennis Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network. Happy to have you here along with me. It's an exciting time for American tennis. Grass season is here, and we are already doing well. We had two Americans battle it out in the finals of Eastbourne, Taylor Fritz and Sam Query. We had a young 15-year-old American girl from Florida qualify for Wimbledon going through the qualifying rounds at 15 years old. Incredible story. We'll talk about all that and all the other storylines coming up with Wimbledon right around the corner. It is a great time to be a fan of American tennis. I'm excited for it. My guest on today, he is a huge fan of American tennis. He grew up in Southern California, played the junior circuit, went on to play college tennis at Villanova, and he is going to have a lot to say about everything today, so let's get right into it. So I'm joined now by Alistair Hurry. Alistair, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with me tonight. For sure. Thank you, Justin. I'm glad to be on. So starting out, why don't you just take my listeners through your journey with tennis and what got you to the point you're at now? Uh, First got a racket in my hand when I was uh, six years old. Um, so kind of went from there, first started playing um, tournaments when I was uh, 10 years old and uh, worked my way through up, eventually uh, played in college at Villanova. Well, what I find interesting about your story in particular is I started late to the game, so I can't really relate to this, but I know that you had so much success early in the juniors. I'm wondering how that early success in the 10s and 12s shifted your view of the sport. Did it add pressure? How did that whole experience affect your tennis career? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely had a lot of success when I was really young, 10, 11, 12. Um, I definitely had some very good results. And I mean, at the time, you're just just so obsessed with tennis and your whole life kind of revolves around the sport. Um, But then when you're having success, it's great. Um, But then when you're not having as much success, 13, 14 years old, um, it gets a little tougher. Um, Yeah, definitely reached a point where I wasn't really enjoying the sport as much as I, I used to be. I find that fascinating, and I mean, just to clarify for the listeners, we're talking about a guy who played Division One tennis in the Big East. He had a very good tennis career. It's just when you're playing in the 10s and 12s, and at that time, if I'm correct, you're beating people like Taylor Fritz, who's now, you know, top 100 in the world. You're beating Brandon Holt, a stud at USC. It kind of sets you up for a journey where it's like, wow, I'm doing so well now. I would imagine the pressure would be, wow, I have to maintain this. And, you know, it's kind of funny because you think about it. I always felt like I was behind the eight ball starting when I was 13, and then I guess it's a double-edged sword because it's like, wow, yes, I do have to play catch-up. But at the same time, having that early success, I mean, I can only imagine it did put a lot of pressure on you. No, definitely. And I think um, I think some people put too much emphasis on your results when you're younger. Um, I think definitely having a good base, kind of enjoying the sport when you're young um, is big, like getting the right strokes down. But I think um, results when you're younger, they, they don't matter as much when you're older. You definitely want to want to peak when you're 16, 17, 18, um, and have, have a more aggressive game. I was, I was pretty much more defensive, and that maybe translated to, to wins early, but um, it was kind of tough for, for me to um, have those same results when I was 14, 15. Well, let's talk about some more recent stuff. You went to Villanova. Um, I personally love the school. I, I remember meeting Coach Adams at Clay Courts in the 18s, and he was a great guy. Um, was really close to going there. Ultimately, I decided not to, but I'd love to hear about your experience at Villanova. What did you make of the school playing there, your whole experience? Yeah, I mean, around the junior year, my junior year of high school is typically when everyone looks kind of at colleges, what they want to do after high school for tennis. And I definitely wanted to go to a school that had a great combination of of good, like solid tennis, um, but also great academics. And academics was definitely probably the priority for me. Um, So I obviously want a good mix of both. And with Villanova, um, it was a great academic school, you know, great, great business program. Um, 
prestigious academic school, also a competitive tennis team in a, a pretty good conference and also a, uh, a team that I feel like I had a pretty good shot of uh, playing on at least eventually. So that was very important to me. Yeah, well, and I think you did really well there. And I, it's again, it's an awesome school, and I have nothing but good things to say about the program and Coach Adams. Um, let's shift to Wimbledon now because it is grass season. Um, I was joking on the last podcast we can put clay season behind us because that was a little rough for the Americans. But it's grass season. We already have some great stories. Coco Goff, a young player out of Florida. She's 15 years old, and she is the youngest player to qualify for Wimbledon going through the qualifying rounds. She's a young American woman, and she is obviously something to keep an eye on in the main draw. For you, looking through the main draw, what sticks out to you on the men's side? So I think uh, on the men's side, um, let's start off with John Isner. Um, I think we're all very happy to have him back. Um, for American tennis fans, he's been out, I, I think, since Miami, I believe. And up until then, he's, I mean, he had a really good run. He lost in the finals in Miami. Uh, to Federer and you know he's always been pretty good on the grass with that serve how could he not be Um, you know last year he made the semis of Wimbledon so he's got a lot of points to defend there but I mean I believe I I briefly looked at the draw I think he's got a pretty good draw Um, we'll see I mean he's coming off I think I think he had a foot injury if I'm not mistaken foot injury injury, so we'll see but I think with him matches don't matter as much you know he just plays uh, first strike tennis big serve um, big forehand and the points so I look for him to make a good run. Yeah, his um, game style is perfect for grass. You're right, that big serve. Another player who plays like that is Taylor Fritz. And, you know, he had a rough clay session already now on grass in Eastbourne, the 250 ATP tournament. He's in the finals now, taking on Sam Query. Query got an unfortunate draw in Wimbledon. He's going to play Dominic Team, the five-seed first round. Fritz has a little more friendly of a draw. I believe he plays Burditch his first round. What do you make of that matchup? You know, Fritz, I think, has overall had a very good year. He's risen in the rankings. Um, last time I checked, he's the second-highest-ranked American. He's he's just behind, behind uh, Isner, just past Tiafo, who's also a, a good, uh, young, up-and-coming American. But Fritz plays uh, Burditch first round. Burditch is a player who, you know, he's a veteran, been around the sport a long time, been in the top 10 several years. But um, similar game styles, you know, they both hit pretty pretty hard, pretty flat. Right. Um, both play pretty good on grass, I would say. Grass is a good surface for both of them. Definitely. But I think this is a match where Fritz, Fritz kind of needs to win this match. You know, Burditch hasn't played for months. He's been hurt. He's on the back end of his career. Agreed. Fritz is ascending, so... I think this is a match if you're Taylor Fritz, you really got to go out there and, and take it. Well said, yeah. And I mean, he should be riding with a lot of confidence. Like we said, finals of Eastbourne, he plays tomorrow morning against Query. If he could win that, that would be a great boost. But already, he's got to be feeling pretty good. Another name you mentioned, Francis Tiafo. Um, he plays <laughs> Fognini, first round of Wimbledon. Um, Fognini, the 12 seed. He's been playing some really good tennis as of late. Clay season was very kind to him. Uh, a funny funny matchup because you never really quite know what you're getting out of Fognini demeanor-wise, but you know he's going to grind. You know he's going to be a tough match. How do you think Tiafo does in that one? So this should be a pretty entertaining matchup, I think. I mean, both guys a little unpredictable, pretty flashy. Both guys like to kind of be the showman out there. I think for Tiafo, it is a winnable match. Um, Fognini, I would think his worst surface is grass. He's better, for sure, his best surface is clay than probably hard. So I think Tiafo's got a good look here. Um I mean, we'll we'll see. I think for Tiafo, um, mentally, it's gotta it's gotta be a big factor how he's gonna show up. But I think Tiafo, there's no reason Tiafo can't be out, go out there and um, compete. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I mean, this week was obviously the qualifiers, the last round of the qualifiers, and then Wimbledon itself will actually start next week. 
Um, just interesting kind of taking a look through that. Actually, some younger Americans made it to the last round of qualies. Um, Tommy Paul, who was a name I remember when I was playing, he lost in the last round of qualies, so he won't be in it, unfortunately. Um, for Tangelo, same thing, lost in the last round of qualies. But Noah Rubin, younger American, he qualied. Garone, obviously the standout from UCLA, he qualied. Um, one name that was actually a shocker to me that he was even having to qualify, I guess I haven't been following his career as much, but Donald Young, he was the number one seed in the qualies, so he was literally the first one to miss that um, main draw, which is unfortunate. But I think that's an interesting one to talk about just because in a lot of ways, kind of parallel to you, where when he was just starting out and when he was younger, he had so much invested into him by the USTA, and he was billed as, you know, America's next top hope. Everyone had such high aspirations for him, and I feel like he's never really done and panned out in his career what he was expected to do. He still had a great career, don't get me wrong, but just not qualifying for Wimbledon, I don't think that's where people expected his career to go. No, definitely. So so Donald Young's I mean, he's an interesting case. I feel like we could talk a while about his career. I think I mean, just going back to why why he may not have had the success people thought. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't really have the weapons to really to really make it like him and query kind of grew up together and query query made it because query's got huge serve huge forehand powerful game donald young he's a little more crafty doesn't really have kind of big shots to blow you off the court and i think at this point like the older you get if you're donald young you don't have like a big serve to rely on so you're more relying on movement scrapping for points and at a certain point it's going to get tough and um, losing in the last round of qualies, I mean, not, not a terrible result, but I mean, at this point, he's definitely on the back end of his career, I would say. Yeah, which is unfortunate because he really did have such a bright future at one point. Um, my favorite, favorite Donald Young story that I ever heard from an older buddy of mine who's around the same age. He was playing a tournament, it was one of the national opens, and Donald Young was playing at the same time a few courts over. And obviously Donald Young, left-handed, very talented player. Um, But he's playing the first set, and I think he won the first set 6-4. And then you hear someone yell out from the stands, Donald, quit messing around. He had been playing that first set in the National Open right-handed with his off hand. (laughs) Switches to his left hand for the second set, wins the second set 6-0. It's just like, you hear stories like that, and it reminds me a little bit of Kyrgios in a way, where they just have all the natural talent in the world, and it's just... For sure. You wonder about the work ethic and the commitment, and just do they realize the potential that they have and the talent that they have? Yeah, I mean, it almost comes too easy for you if you have natural talent, right. and almost not having that talent almost forces you to work harder. Because right. you, you have to, you have no choice, but if you have that talent, it's something you can always kind of rely upon. But at a certain point um, in the game, like you're gonna have to work hard because guys at the top, they're very talented and they work hard. So if if you don't do one or the other, you're you're just not gonna make it. Uh, let's segue now and talk a little bit about world team tennis. I know I've discussed this on the podcast before with another friend who interned for the Orange County Breakers in Newport Beach, and he had some experiences there. I know you're actually working there in a higher role, um, bigger capacity now. Tell the audience if they don't know about World Team Tennis. I think it's a really great thing, a more lighthearted, fun, personal aspect of the game that really doesn't get as much attention just because it's not as well known. So talk to us about World Team Tennis in general, and then give me a little breakdown of what you particularly do at the Orange County Breakers. I think the season's coming up soon. Everything that we should know about that. Yeah, so World Team Tennis is it's a short three-week season. Um, there's there's three 18... Weeks? Three weeks, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, so short, uh, three-week season. Uh, there's eight teams competing currently. And um, what World Team Tennis is, it's almost more the fun side of the tennis. It's more relaxed, laid back. Um, 
you know, you have you have marquee players coming in for uh, for a night or two. Like you have stars like Victoria Zarenka, Taylor Fritz, Nick Kyrgios. Uh, I think Dimitrov's playing a match this year. And it's just more laid back for the fans. It kind of will bring in the more casual casual fan in, which I think tennis actually needs right. um, at this point. So it, it's not as strict as normal tennis. Like you can have a beer, you you can relax with friends. It's almost more of a social event, right? Um, which is which is big too. And and yeah, I mean we're trying to we're trying to grow the league, and I think the way to grow it is obviously bringing in more superstars, but also like like I said before, appealing to the uh, not so serious tennis fan and kind of bringing them in. Which is cool because I feel like that's something that every other sport has, and just kind of inherently built in with you know basketball and football, where things are just rowdier and it's a different setting. You know, at tennis you need to be quiet. You know, it's kind of like golf claps in between points, and um, this is definitely a different style environment than that, which I think is great. Um, so tell me about the Breakers. You guys play out of Newport Beach. Who do you guys have on the team this year? When does the season start? When are your guys' first matches? For sure. So the Breakers, um, this year, our, our home schedule starts July 20th, runs through the 31st. And this year, we have a uh, pretty stacked lineup. Uh, the first night, July 20th, we've got Victoria Zarenka uh, playing, former two-time major winner. We also have Taylor Fritz um, playing that night, who's, as we said before, been on a pretty good run. And so that highlights the first match. We also got Eugenie Bouchard, who uh, she always brings in the fans. She plays July uh, 23rd. We also have Steve Johnson, like a local favorite in Orange County. You know, great college career. Has done some good things on the Pro Tour as well. He's playing three nights, um, July 22nd, 23rd, and also the 24th. So, you know, we're looking forward to a really good season this year. So this is the American Tennis Podcast. We're based here out of Los Angeles. So I believe that World Team Tennis, you guys have the Orange County Breakers. You have the San Diego Aviators. I know those two are here in Southern California. If you want to get tickets, where do you go? How do you get those? So for tickets, um, for the Breakers, breakerstennis.com. You'll find good deals. You can, al- you can also uh, call into our office. Um, you'll find that information on our website. And you can get some good go- deals on tickets to watch. Victoria Zarenka, Taylor Fritz. And I think the good thing about uh, World Team Tennis, too, there's not a bad seat in the house. So you can sit almost courtside, a couple rows up, and you can watch some of the best players in the world for a relatively uh, cheap price point um, with great viewing as well. Yeah, and Palisades Tennis Center, I mean, it's beautiful. I was hitting there a couple of weeks ago with an old friend, and it's, I mean, it's top, top state-of-the-art, great facility in Newport Beach. So definitely get out there for the World Team Tennis if you live in the area and you want to get out there and see some good tennis lighthearted tennis with some of the top talent in the world. Alistair, before I let you get on out of here, I know that you are just such a fan of the game and really do love tennis so much. So I'm curious, we're halfway through the year now, it's July, Um, we have grass season obviously coming up, and then, you know, obviously, of course, the U.S. Open later in September and hardcourt. What's your assessment halfway through the year of how the Americans are faring, how tennis in general is hanging in there this year? Right, so I guess I'll start start with the Americans. So... I mean, as we touched on earlier, I think this year for the Americans, Isner, his injury has been kind of a big loss for us. Um, you know, people people like to say Americans haven't had a major winner in so long, but Isner really has, like, carried the flag pretty well. He's been a consistent top 10 player, gone far in the majors. He had a great year last year, uh, making the semis of Wimbledon, winning Miami. And his loss has hurt us a little bit, but at the same time, it's exciting to see kind of the younger guys step up. Uh, Tiafo had a great start to the year in Australia, made the quarters, had some big wins over uh, Dimitrov and Anderson. Um, past that, I, I don't really think he's done too much, which is a little little disappointing, but at the same time, the guy's still really young, and 
we got still the hard court stretch and Wimbledon to go, so we'll kind of see where he progresses. Um, I think Fritz has had a really encouraging year. He's been very consistent, has won a lot of matches, um, maybe hasn't had that breakthrough uh, tournament at the majors. Um, Wimbledon could be it. Um, that remains to be seen. But I think Fritz has been very encouraging, the, the progress he's made. And other than those two guys, I mean, it's been a little underwhelming from kind of the older generation. Stevie and Query haven't had the best of years. I think Query's been hurt here and there. You know, Stevie, I mean, he's getting older. His game is a little little one-dimensional. But, I mean, other than that, I would say the main – and Tommy Paul has made strides as well, qualified for the French, played a great match against team. I think he's got a lot of promise if he can uh, – you know, keep his head straight and, you know, stay focused. But for the Americans, I, I am encouraged what I've seen from Fritz and Tiafo. They're, they're close to being seated at majors consistently, which is, I think, what we need. Yeah, they're definitely going to be leading the charge and part of that next generation that carries American tennis forward on the men's side. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm glad clay season is behind us because I think clay season just never treats the Americans well. We don't train enough on clay here, and that's always evidenced by that part of the year but grass is much more kinder to us like we said with the big serves the big forehands get into the net that is where the americans can thrive and then obviously later with the u.s open of course the americans typically shine so hopefully they will turn it around thank you so much alistair for stopping by today man really enjoyed talking catching up with you on all things tennis yeah definitely justin thanks for having me on and i hopefully look forward to doing this again soon in the time since that interview was recorded, we do now have confirmation. Taylor Fritz did beat Sam Query in the finals of that ATP 250 tournament in Eastbourne. That is just massive. That is Taylor's first ATP title. He will now be ranked 31 in the world when the new rankings come out on Monday. I can't stress enough how huge this is for Taylor heading into Wimbledon next week. Tennis is such a mental game, all about that confidence and I don't see how his confidence could be any higher than it is right now. What a great moment for Taylor. One of many more to come, I'm sure. But that really is exciting. I can't wait to break down Wimbledon for you guys on the next podcast. Hopefully our Americans do well and give us a lot of good stuff to talk about. I'm feeling good. It's already way better than clay season, and it's going to be a great week of tennis. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the American Tennis Podcast. Can't wait to break it all down for you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.